Trust me, I'm the doctor. Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. Colin's in the house. And I'm Jace. And tonight we're going to go back to Matt Smith and go with episode five of season six and talk about the rebel flesh. It was definitely concerning that first scene where it was like, oh, I just killed you. You're dead. Shut up. No one cared and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. That was a, I didn't know. I, don't, I knew what this episode was, but I forgot how it started. So I'm like, um... This either has to be the episode I think it is or something I've never seen before and is really messed up. <laughs> it was kind of a messed up beginning because it kind of shows how little they think of the flesh people. Exactly. They just kind of see it as moss, which is insulting. If anything, we know in Doctor Who, nothing is small. It's always something trying to control something. And in this case, kind of a victim, really. Well, yeah. How much do you think that they knew at the time, you know, for sure, do you think there's like some cover up of like the real awareness, or do you think it really they did really did think it was more like a moss? Like I, I think they really did think they it was more like a moss. I think they really thought that, but also you have to remember that the storm was what triggered the 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 flesh people to actually become entities themselves. Because the doctor even mentions that like in this episode, kind of like that. Yes, you. We're getting a solar lightning flare storm. catalyst in the primordial ooze. It's exactly. genuinely Frankenstein's monster. Because technically, the, the flesh needs your brain to be wired up to the machinery in order for it to know what you're thinking. When the solar flares come through, it transfers all the thoughts from the person into the flesh, and they, they become the people. So I guess at the beginning, the flesh probably don't feel nearly as much as they do once the storm goes through. And, of course, we know of the flesh from a previous Doctor Adventure in the David Tennant era, where the flesh were being used to... Uh, as guinea pigs to test out cures for all sorts of diseases, and I don't remember that. Treated, yeah, it was like the uh, the hospital on New Earth that was run by cat people, and they uh, uh, had like the underground uh, place all filled up with the different people oh, they'd given to like all the diseases in the world to to horrible. try and treat yeah, them. It's yeah, about time the flesh rebelled. Well, and, yeah. so, and so the doctor then at the end of that. Uh, found a way to cure all of them and to and set them free oh, and stuff. And so then here he is now going back to when the flesh originated, I guess, because he says it's early days and all oh, the spread new and stuff. And, uh, you know, he said he came here on accident, but was clearly lying. I don't know. Did they actually have this tied in with those particular? Yeah, those, those guys were called the flesh. That's. Okay. Well, that's why the doctor like knows what's up. All right, all right. I was just wondering. I mean, I just it just seemed I didn't know if they were the exact same since that's 
like billions basically of years saw in the future. Like yeah, the maybe not. Beginnings of them, the birth of the flesh. I mean, and they're called the same thing. Yeah, they're called the same thing, but it, I don't know. I I never made the connection between the two stories. Really? Well, because they're billions of years apart, so it just didn't make sense. Well, yeah. So this is to, the so early, early, very beginning of the invention, and the doctor's clearly interested. He's going around like scanning it. We see humans and other species billions of years apart. I just don't understand why the doctor would stick his hand in it. I mean, I think it, he did it after you know he got the read on it, and yeah, it had some read on him. So I feel like it already had like he the doctor had some you know general awareness of the thing's intentions. I felt and felt like it would be. It's like okay. the doctor wanted to be copied. It's like, okay, I, you I, have a weird vibe. You know, I think the doctor maybe did want to be copied. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely acting, like, super sketchy throughout this whole episode where he keeps, like, dodging questions, ditching Amy and Rory. That's because he does. That's an interesting and, like, theory. He, Isn't the doctor always lonely? It doesn't have the companion to live I think it was more so he thought he was going to get into, like, something deep while they were there because he knows the potential these things could you know, turn into. Yeah, but then he kept going back to, like, rescan it and stuff, like, after he ditched Amy, remember? Maybe he was just learning more, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. Going back for more clues to the scene of the crime. But yeah, he was, oh, he was very, very sketchy at the beginning of this episode, so I don't really question, like, your reference to this being in a previous Doctor Who episode. He knows about this. And time is wibbly-wobbly, so... I have to give some props to Rory. I think this is a Rory-centered episode in this regard because he goes off with and shows the compassion that normally the doctor would show for these creatures through Mm -hmm. Jennifer. And Jennifer, of course, is the flesh version of herself. And she and she starts having emotions and feeling and remembering about wearing her red wellies as a child and doing all these things to show that she literally is basically a human, uh, mentally speaking. Yeah, and so Rory really kind of jumps on the bandwagon with his ability to to comfort and to be that kind of. I don't know. And, and she recognizes it and is just like, yes. wow, you're way too good for Amy. <laughs> for, for any, you know, flack that comes Rory's way, he is a consistent moral champion in Doctor Who. And I, I agree. I think it really shines, like, in this episode here. Well, even more so than the Doctor, in a sense, because yeah. we don't get the same thing from the Doctor in this episode. Well, we, we, we do. To um, a degree. To, sort of, but he's being so... He's being so, like, secretive and weird in this episode. It's kind of hard to see the, the typical doctor, whereas Rory's very Yeah, but, about but, but the way that he, like, guided that group of, of, of the gangers to, oh, yeah. to realize that they were, in fact, copies and just kind of, like, kindly and slowly, like, eased them into the concept and kept dropping, like, more hints and then did the thing with the plate that, you know... It just, I thought that was a very compassionate way of approaching that situation. Well, he also wanted to make sure that they knew that he was going to rescue them. He was going to, it doesn't matter if you were human or ganger, he wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. And And he also really wanted to make sure that they didn't look so weird. Especially in front of other people. So, like, he really wanted to get that point across. Like, don't quite look like yourselves how you're comfortable. Make yourself look more like the copy for sure. Because you guys are creepy looking. 
I mean, I, he wasn't wrong. Like, I mean, I bet that did make I a mean, difference. I mean, he's not, right? but I, I just, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JC had something? Uh, oh, yeah. I was talking about, like, how messed up it was that it had to be. What was the lead ladies woman name? Um, the lead ladies woman name was uh, Cleves. Cleves? Cleves. Cleves. It's so unfortunate. Everything was going well. They started to realize maybe they're not so different and that they can figure out a way to get along. But then, I forgot her name again. What's her face? Cleves. um, Decided to just get, like, big boy energy and just be like, you know what? You guys deserve to die. Come up with a weapon. Forget the doctor. And then even her own doppelganger was just like, why do we have to be this way? You know, but what was interesting is that in the for the group of the doppelgangers, it was a different person who took charge and like did the whole thing. Or, or um, I forgot her yeah, name. But they, um, but like you know, so it's kind of like it seems as though both of those characters are just like slightly on the edge of being capable of doing that. It just like depends on what you'd be motivated by. I just, One's yeah. more motivated by being you know the the original one, and the other is more motivated by not being the original one. Yeah, and I also think, what was that girl's name that Rory was all over? Um, Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer. Jennifer. When Lucas. She trusted Rory, had a bunch of hope, and then as soon as, like, what's-her-face shot what's-her-face, then it was like she kind of took the lead, and it was her passion and just being totally betrayed that kind of, I feel, makes her really threatening at this point. Yeah. Well, I, here's a classic kind of trope. It kind of goes back to John Pertwee's story, The Silurians. The humans end up almost being the enemy in this particular episode through mm-hmm. Cleves. I mean, the humans are the enemies in a lot of episodes. I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This is another oh, yeah. one of those Continuation episodes. Of the theme. Yeah. And you've got you've got Cleves is pretty much the one that jump starts the problem. Are the are the gangers actually? Not helping things because they're going a little insane? Probably, especially Jennifer seems to be the more emotional of the bunch. And she already punched Rory, so we know she's not above violence in general. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that you have that moment um, with the one dude, and I'm trying to figure out what his name is, um, uh, Jimmy, the the white-haired dude. Mm -hmm. He's got his ganger actually wants to go and help. And help him, and and wants to be with him at first. Yeah, and they made a big connection, and mm-hmm. there there seemed to be a connection because it was it was obvious that the ganger remembered everything that that Jimmy knew as well. That's a powerful woman. Like that's when you thought, oh, this is going to work out. But of course, this is Doctor Who. Something had to go astray. Okay, so so here here's a, here's a question I'd like to pose to you guys. So let's say you know at this point in time. The doctor turns it all around, everyone gets back together, they all get along, they get off, you know, the island in the TARDIS and everything's all hunky-dory and everyone survives. Um, What do you think is a fair way to split up assets at that point? I mean, so like you basically now have like an identical twin that you didn't have before who shares your social security number, your career history and everything, like your job, your house, all of your money. So like, do you leave them with nothing? Do they now just become your roommate and you kind of work it out slowly? Do you, like, do you give them half your stuff? And like, how, how do you do explain you... that? Like, how do you emerge back into society from this, like, top-secret government facility and just be like, oh, by the way, I have another person who's exactly like me. Deal with it. Or do you go a different route and just, like, 
you know, Clone pretend to be just still one person and just have one of you, like, go do the job. And yeah, adopt them into else. the household of, you know, trade off of duties. That would actually be you kind of nice. Here to there. No, Second it wouldn't, view. because then your memories wouldn't transfer, I don't think, or would they continue to transfer? Because no, you live no. a life, and then you come back, you don't know anything that's happened within the last, like, let's say six months that you were on, like, You'd continuously be more individual. Yeah. It uh, might but, be. Yeah. You'd get, yeah, but, like, but like what, do you, what do you do in that situation? The only situation you could really have, based on what you've come up with, is just find another place for those other gangers to live and live out their own lives. But they have kids. They but, have wives. They have families. Well, right. so well like, with so the like, kids, the wives, and the families piece, feasibly, we go and get, you know, a bit of their DNA or a bit of a touch point. Bring it to a blob of goo. We, we, we but make some goo. at what point do you stop goo doing family. that, though? Because you can't just get... The kid, the wife, and the fan, and the child just in a room. I think that's where you cut it, it off. You do have to cut it off at some point. You don't. Do, do, do you? Because you if we accept society. This, is, this is a true life form, then we have to accept that it needs to have its own ability to reproduce, and that would be the flesh's way of reproducing. I think the flesh can reproduce the way that humans reproduce as the flesh becomes. Well, they're I, the I don't. Yeah, no, I don't know if that's true. I think the. I think the flesh probably don't reproduce the same way because obviously they they reproduce through the flesh itself. So I think that it's not real. I mean they could they could be able to do both ways. Possibly, but I don't the is I don't think the flesh has If the they exact have same human way. hearts, why don't they have human genitals, Michael? Well, but do, I'm, I don't know if they've copied absolutely every microorganism. I don't know either, though. but I know they're trending in that direction. I think it's just a matter of time if it's not already achieved but, or oh, close to it. But okay. So like Maybe well, you have they're, to they're in England or whatever, so I don't know what their equivalent is. But we've got you know social security numbers here in America, and each person gets one. So now you've got like a legal problem of you have to legally distinguish yourself as a person, you know, like – individually and i think that you know that's actually like a real obstacle like what is that person entitled to do they get half the wealth they've spent their lives accumulating or do they not because it wasn't really their lives well i think if you go by the legal system it's not really their lives and i think that's those are some of the harsh realities no but what do you think would be fair what do i think is fair yeah I don't think any arrangement is going to be fair for anyone. I think in this situation, it proves that life is unfair. I don't think there's... I think everybody loses something, and I think that's inherently unfair. Well, like, if you really want to divide it and make it equal and recognize both personhoods and both, you know, um, perceived experiences, and you really try and divide it up, both are going to lose out on something in that equation. Um, unless they really are accepted by everybody in their lives as, you know, a, a new value add. But even then, you know, they're still looked at as a different kind of person. They're put in a different box than they were before. I mean, yeah, if the wife and kid learned about, about Jimmy, uh, I don't know that they would react necessarily the same way. Well, the kid might, but the wife would have a... And what if the kid likes the ganger Jimmy better? That would well, be a whole other dimension for... I don't know that he'd like them. This is just no, the no, I'm just saying, like, what, what if they're now individual people? Maybe, maybe Gangnam Jimmy is is better, is more fun. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> well, the, but there's the, the same personality is kind of encased in there. So, well, what if one? You get what I'm saying? Like, 
Like, you know, yeah. they, like from this point they on, grow. they've become individual people. They've got their own paths that they, they will grow into different people. Yeah, life. yeah, that's that makes it interesting, too. Let's say that, you know, in five years down the line, you know, the other the ganger that went out on his own is now more responsible, more financially stable. Meanwhile, the other one, you know, in the home life has become abusive and a drunkard. Should he get custody of that child now? Yeah, that's I mean, what, true. What kind I, of mean, provider, lots I mean, of, you could do a stark thing like that. And what what is fair then? Uh, a lot of these things would have to be ironed out probably as they are figuring out what they're going to do with the gangers. But they don't have time. This is a this is a situation where everybody's going to die, and the doctor very well could easily just take these other people off to another world if he absolutely had to, and say, "Hey, look, I realize you you guys." Feel and think like the other people, but to be honest, there's really no other way we can do this that's fair to either of you, no, and also make everybody happy. Right, Docky Who is on top of this one because the Docky comes in and he's like, "Hey, there's a priority order here. We first take care of everybody here. We work together. We get off. Then we can squabble about those things." Right. The doctor actually, for once, was like, "Hey." Let me just, like, hop into my TARDIS and get everyone to safety real quick. Like, you know, you feel like he should do all the time. and then, Except for, you know, of course, the TARDIS gets dropped into a pool of acid and he can't get to it. But and he needs new shoes as a result because he stepped into a pile of acid. Yep. I think the one thing and a really well-acted moment for Matt Smith in this story is when he realizes that um, Cleves has just killed one of the gangers, Buzz. And he's like saying, hey, look, he had a heart. He had a heart. And you destroyed that heart. You took it and you killed it. And that's that right there, that moment I thought was probably the best moment of this I don't know. I loved the moment, and I think it might be more appreciating it in retrospect. Um, But, like, at the very beginning where Amy's just like, you know, whatever you're going to do, I want to be there, you know, doing it with you. And he just kind of, like, you can tell he's, like, wants to tell her something and then doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, And then, of course, Jennifer has the one line where she's like, Amy must be a lucky girl. Yeah. I think everybody was... Well, everybody laughed at, at Rory's response there. He's like, yeah, yeah I'll admit that. <laughs> he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. Yep, exactly. And then Rose and... Not Rose, oh my God. Um, I was looking at Rose on my phone when I said it, but Amy... Um, see that little face again in the in the thing. Oh yeah. Oh yes, the the eye patch the lady. Eye patch. eye patch lady. Yes, eye patch lady in the wall once again. What? What is that about? Don't know. And, a, and what is about yes, with Amy's? You know, being pregnant and not pregnant. Oh, the doctor yeah. keeps scanning her for. Yeah, that that's another part of this mystery that that this season has brought up. Although I, I do like that there's a throwback to the previous episode because Amy actually asked the doctor, did we come here by accident? And the doctor is very hesitant to answer that correctly because he realizes that in the previous episode, the TARDIS is telling him that she doesn't, she doesn't just go anywhere. She actually takes him where he's needed. So I thought that was kind of cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the doctor piloted them there on purpose. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I will have to say this episode was a bit slow. There's not a whole lot of things. The mm-hmm. only action-y part was actually at the beginning when the Doctor is riding the storm, the the solar storm in the TARDIS. I didn't mind that at all, though. That was... That was well, no, I'm just saying it was kind of a slower episode. So that's kind of more like uh, Classic Who because it is a two-part story. Some people may not have appreciated that, but that's just what we got. It did catch myself drifting off a couple of times, especially, you know, more towards the beginning. And then, you know, uh, and I wasn't sure if it was me drifting off or me being like, are, what, what parts are we missing? Or did I just miss a part of the plot? But it definitely came through like a... Um, as things went well, along, but it, I felt like I was missing something when I was watching a lot of the beginning. I think there is a feeling that you're kind of dropped, dropping the Doctor and Amy and Rory into this, and it's almost as if they don't really have much of an introduction to everything. They just are plopped in, and it seems like the Doctor already knows what's going on. And that's what's kind of like, eh, well, okay, uh, I don't know if less explanation was needed, or less just exposition throughout this whole episode. I don't know. But I, I could see why some people would find it a little bit tedious to get through this episode. Just I didn't find it tedious at all, personally, only because I knew that the Doctor was acting very strangely. And I was just really curious and intrigued as to what kind of hints I could pick up, what he was putting down the entire time. And it was just super engaged. I don't know. I, I like. I liked it because there was an element of mystery to it that we typically don't get with a doctor. Normally, if he knows something, he's going around knowing it, but he's like tiptoeing through this, and that was concerning to me. So maybe that's why I was fully engaged in this episode. You know, and I, I actually am totally with Jace on this viewing of it. The traditionally, I have like this has not been one of my favorites. I haven't like ever hated this episode, but you know, I always kind of thought it's yeah one of the more boring ones. But man, man, it held together. There was great you know character development, and there was you know there wasn't yeah a ton of action, but there was you know there were high stakes, and there was you know a great philosophical bent. You know, it. it really sounds like we're delving into ratings right now. Oh, should, should I just jump into rating? Yeah, I, I think you should just, you all, know. All right, all right. Well, yeah, I, I thought, you know, it had the great, you know, philosophical problems that we, we can come up with as to, like, face. It was, you know, really, like, looking at the, you know, what does it mean to be a person? But, okay, yeah, we do that a lot with Doctor Who. This one actually took it a step further of, like, okay, so what do you do when you acknowledge that, like, and the Doctor's, like, bring everyone together, have them talk. You know, mm-hmm. they'll figure it out, and all except Cleves, they could have. Yeah, there tends to be a lot of hints of the doctor just being like, listen, a lot of things would be solved if people just talked more in a significant moment in the next doctor's era as well, because that's when stuff tends to really go down. Yeah. yeah. Were you rating? I was. Okay. <laughs> I forgot that we did that, because it wasn't like, okay, let's start the rating. You know how Michael always has to make that announcement? Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, let's continue the ratings. Collins. His voice is not fun. that deep. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so I thought I found this, uh, I think this is a very fun episode. Um, you know, it's the first one of a two-parter, so it all depends on how it wraps up. But, you know, as far as build-up, like, yeah, I'm very intrigued to see what the Doctor's doing, because he's clearly up to something. And, you know, that's always an interesting thing. And, you know, that this whole thing with, like, the concept of the flesh is 
you know, a very interesting one. And this is like a, you know, kind of the same dilemma, but in a very sort of different kind of setup. And I think um, it was done quite well. I'm going to give this episode a 7.5. Okay, well, since I talked right before you and you rated, I guess I'll go after you to kind of just bump around, kind of like what the TARDIS does on a regular basis. Wibbly wobbly. Yeah, we just, you know, (laughs) ping pong. Um, Just to go back take a step back. Yeah, I didn't find this episode bland at all. I I found it very intriguing. I found it very strange um, that the Doctor was acting all mysterious as he's normally, like, more dominant in these types of situations, but he seemed very concerned, but also knew something, so that kept me engaged. Um, I really liked the character. What was her name? Jennifer. However, for some reason, I always questioned her genuineness. Um, She's kind of creepy. She is kind of odd. And I could tell she was definitely the weakling of everybody, but, you know, sometimes you can be the weakling but also be the most dangerous, and I think that's kind of what the ending of this kind of was trying to hint at. Like, she's very passionate and emotional, but she can also swing the other way quite aggressively, as we saw by her punching Rory. Um, I wonder if she was a cancer. Shut up. <laughs> um... But yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty cool that one older woman who ran everything. I feel like that's she was a great character. She was the Terry stereotypical like this is VIP access only. Who are you? This is my team. I can't listen to anyone. Yada 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 yada. She's just like the stere- stereotypical human in charge of anything. <laughs> and I thought that was cool and unfortunate. So when her real self approached her doppelganger and was like, or all the doppelgangers and was like, y'all are gonna die, and she had to like be like, yeah. We suck, don't we? But you know what? I expect no less of me. It was just weird. This episode was weird. This is the second time I've seen it. I didn't remember a lot of the details. I just remembered the ending and what it was about. As far as the next part goes, I don't remember the details. I just remember some of the major-ish parts. Um, Other than that, I'm super excited because I don't remember everything. I'm, what is it? Shivering with anticipation. I didn't mean to reference Rocky Horror, but here we are. So I think I'm going to give this an eight. Or, all right, I'm sorry. I, after eight, if you're going to be referencing Rocky Horror, you have to go. I shiver in anticipation. And also, I think that was an excellent <laughs> reference to make because the Rocky Horror Picture Show is basically just Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster, and this episode is basically Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monsters ish. Except there's no Frankenstein. No, the woman is the Frankenstein, and then everyone else is the monsters. But not in a bad way in this case, but also they are... I'll shut up. Colin? Ah, all right. Time to raid. <clears throat> I I was enthralled by a lot of this episode. I know I said that there were some slow moments, and I don't take that back. Not for one second. Um, I, I did feel like I wish I had a little bit more orientation in the beginning or towards the middle as well, but I think this really came through. I think a lo- I resonate with a lot of what you guys were saying. Um, a good philosophical kind of question and, and questions to kind of wrestle with, you know, just the whole premise is interesting. Um, it was a, a little bit creepy, and we do have, like, a little bit of, like, the bubbling us versus the them coming up. I thought it was silly and funny and so cliche to be, you know, also with the us versus them, be like, what would you know about this doctor? You know nothing about war. <laughs> of course they did that. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. 
Um, but the doctor didn't really push back on it, you know, at, the, at this point. You know, she's like, oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the coming together. It was sad to see it split as well, but I love that there were some camaraderies there. Um, either way, I'm really excited to see where this goes in next episode. And I, I loved the the quick kind of twist or addition at the end of having a um, a flesh version of the Doctor. Oh, I like that a in lot. In the next yeah. two. Yeah. And I think that's going to be great. Like, already you can just feel like he's on our team and everything's going to be okay now. Thank goodness we have another Doctor in the room. No matter how blue and weird he looks, maybe he should take some of his, uh, you know, compadre's advice and... <laughs> <laughs> humanize some features a little bit more but hey 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 i don't i don't mean to judge i don't need to judge um there but you know um but anyway i, I thought this was a strong episode overall i think it had a lot of really great, great epi- uh, elements and it sets up for another episode well let's see where it goes here next but um i, I think this deserves and it earns an eight okay I think my major gripe about McCleave's character is not that she's necessarily a bad character, but she has very little motivation to be hating the gangers because they really haven't done anything to her at this point. And so it really kind of... They they didn't have, like, a backstory for her, which I think would have been helpful, like, if there was just even just some mention of why she hates them or why she's so adamant to, to go and kill one of them. That just seems to go against the the idea of just having a simple leader kind of character. Most leaders should be able to hold it together without just killing a ganger. Um, that would be my guess. So that's one of the issues that I have with this episode. Um, the pacing is okay. I mean, I didn't really, I never really had a problem with this. I think the emotional impact on this episode is what really counts, and that's really mostly between Rory and Jennifer. When you get the majority of the emotion, I think that really shines. Um, And I really felt the same way that Rory felt for Jennifer. I really kind of, I sympathized because, and that was, I think, the idea. Now, do I think Jennifer is a little bit of a psycho? Yeah, she is, obviously. (laughs) She punched him in the first place, even though he's got kind eyes. That doesn't make sense. Um, So it's, there are some contradictions in this episode, and that's why I think... I I will give this a 6.5 out of 10. I don't think this is... I, I have to also consider all the episodes that are around it. I have to consider other episodes I've rated in the past and will rate in the future. And I just can't put this quite up in that 8 range. That's fair. And, and honestly, when I was, when I was still um, watching it in the moment, I felt like this is a 7. This is a definite 7. Um, actually really just talking about it, I've driven myself up to an eight because I, I couldn't specify, you know, a lot of flaws and maybe I I should have gone with my gut, you know, to some degree on this too, but it had all the elements of a Doctor Who story that I typically am really enthralled by. I don't mind the lack of a lot of action. And actually I, I didn't think, you know, the whole Cleves things needed much explaining. Like I, I do think that that's a very threatening, very, you know, big visceral kind of situation to be put in, especially as we've addressed that there is no fair way to divide up your life. And in some way, even if, you know, you might 
know your own inside of your mind or think you might do and go in a spiral of, you know, if you're an us versus them person, you know, who knows what you're, you know, you're guessing what your doppelganger is thinking. But I could just think in so many ways why it just the situation itself sets up that there would be this this fear, this resentment. It seems like it always lives with some of the situation where it's like a kind of a game theory. Do you compete? Do you collaborate? If that's, well, well, if that's the case, though, then the Cleves, the Cle- the doppelganger Cleves would not have had the opposite reaction because she actually downplays everything and is like, "Hold up a sec, this is I know I, this is what she's gonna." I, 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 don't, really I don't think it, I don't think it was no emotional. Like I don't think that it was an emotional thing for Cleves. I think that she genuinely looked at the gangers and said, thought to herself, "These are not people." These don't count as people. They're they're not real things. So like it's it's faulty, you know, acid working equipment, and it is malfunctioning, and it could prove de- deadly to us. We need to shut it down. That was all she was seeing in the situation. She wasn't seeing them as being people. Yeah. So and I guess her, if you were a fungus being, then you won't have that perspective. Right. So like it wasn't it wasn't her. You know. Yeah. It like she was just like, oh, you don't count. She didn't think she was committing murder. She thought she was shutting down um, faulty equipment. Possibly, I just it just seems like it. It just seemed to be an odd reaction to just to be. It's that. not an odd reaction though. Like think about it. You're in a situation in which someone looks like you, thinks like you, has the same memories as you. But is not you. There's some kind of goop that you've relegated to having the same relevance to existence around them as moss. You are nothing. You don't deserve to live. You need to. You need to die. And she is the embodiment of what the, the some of the most toxic traits in being any kind of leader is. She's more just like that stereotypical American or worldly dictator. That was her whole point to the story she doesn't think she just acts she knows what's best for everyone else she doesn't listen her way is the right way you are nothing you are an accident get out of my face i will not recognize you as anything other than that because my mind is closed and i am the boss that's fair yeah yeah i think when michael is just like such a nice guy and an empathetic person he can never <laughs> imagine you know um, well, it's just know, thinking and, and treating someone else in another place, but I feel like in, there's always going to be, you know, a, a, a pitfall of humanity. Yes. You know, somewhere with enough, with enough oh, numbers there. There's... Oh, okay, Michael, re- replace the gangers with zombies. Did, I, her, did her actions make sense? Did her actions follow what everyone in a zombie movie would do in that situation? Yes. So if she sees them as these don't count as real people... These are a threat. Possibly, but the doctor was very easy. I mean, he was very quick to mention that they were thinking and they were... But she wasn't there for most of that. And also, she didn't believe it. So it's just, you know, like... I mean, if you take the premise that she did not believe that they were people, then you can see that her behavior wasn't wasn't very extreme. It was, you know like a relatively like rational and reasonable thing to do if you take that premise i suppose yeah she was absent during the entire thing essentially so she wasn't there to see any of it but even then she just seems too hard-headed to even acknowledge or listen at all until she maybe sits down and talks to her doppelganger which is what the doctor was trying to have happen but even then i don't think she would have cracked 
Well, we'll find out in the next episode what actually does take place. And I will actually add some news onto this episode, is that Jodie Whittaker has filmed her regeneration scene. <gasps> it is already done. What? It's All, real? Yep, it's She's real. gone? Has Chris Chibnall regenerated yet? Has that, has that come through? <laughs> Not quite. They haven't. They actually haven't chosen the next actor or actress to be in the role. So that's uh, that. Well, when that comes through, we I think we can all sleep easy. Maybe it'll yeah. be Jace. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yeah, it would be. Wouldn't I? I don't think you could I podcast on your own episodes. That would be an unfair bias. Very you know, biased. Then <laughs> I'll continue making the Instagram content. Although ten some, out of ten. Ten out of ten. Some I think acting is phenomenal. <laughs> Actors sometimes are, are are harsh on themselves, though. So. One out of ten. One out of ten. But sometimes they realize <laughs> they ten. just had a bad script and a bad situation. And they're like, yeah, this kind of flopped. Or, like, I saw this and I was like, so much people around me were awesome. Or, like, the people around me were bland. This doesn't make any sense. Like, they can be objective about their own work. Oh, yeah. And plus, I was obviously kidding. I mean, if yeah. we managed to get someone who played the doctor to come on our podcast, we would obviously do that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no. My ethical and moral integrity is on par with Rory. And I would say this is a conflict of interest. And maybe we can invite Well, good thing Jason my ethical and moral opinions on are based on Amy. And <laughs> <laughs> we can charge forward anyways. At any rate, hope you all have a great night. It was fun doing this podcast. Or day or morning. Next week, we'll be doing The Almost People. See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.